0: You're listening to Portfolio Builders, a wealth cap holdings podcast about long term wealth building and financial independence.
1: Yo, 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 everybody. Devin here, um, hosting this week's Portfolio Builders podcast. I have my guest, Lance, with me.
0: Hello. <laughs>
1: say hello or <laughs> just sit there awkward. Uh, so. I'm going to give just a couple of minutes to let some folks jump on, say hello in the comments, let us know where you're, uh, where you're watching from. Uh, today we're going to be talking all about the holdings side of our company um, and a lot about the financing that goes, that goes along on that side of our company. So Lance, for the people who are tuning in who are not familiar with who you are, um, share with everybody. Who you are and a little bit about your background.
0: Fantastic. Well, you, she stood me this first, gave me some speaking points. Uh huh. Devon is the greatest. <laughs> and she's currently single. And uh, why, why are you having me do that?
1: I didn't write those. So. And now I'm beat red. <laughs> Good job.
0: My name is Lance Welch. Uh, <laughs> I am the, uh, I guess, the, the patriarch of, of the group here. Uh, the two, two of my boys actually are here, Taylor Welch and then Peyton Welch. So I, I am both responsible and obligated for whatever they've done or said. So if I need to apologize, I can do that. Often, uh, no, I've I've been with the company about a year. I joined about this time last year, and I had spent you know twenty plus years in corporate America. I uh, was a VP of sales for a Fortune one hundred company. Covered half the United States. Got tired of all the travel and felt like there was a much better way to enjoy life. So I started helping them with some minor real estate things. And next thing I knew, I'm helping them do this full time, wearing all the hats until you came on board and at the end of the year. And we've just grown tremendously ever since.
1: So before you got involved with WealthCap, did you have any real estate experience?
0: A little, only from the personal side. We'd had some vacation rentals up in Branson, Missouri, which is why we're in one of those markets. Mm-hmm. So uh, had about seven or eight properties on, a, on our personal side before I came here. So that was the extent of it. Personal residences. Gotcha. And then vacation rentals. That was the extent of it.
1: Okay. So um, one thing that like, some people know about um, that have gotten on calls with me is a little bit about the the two businesses that we have with the fund and the holdings and how those are different. So I'd really like for you to share with everybody what, what those two companies are. And then we'll talk about what your role is with the holdings. Go One
0: Got it. Well, when we, we first started this last year, we had no idea we were going to have two companies. It really started with wealth cap holdings. And it was really in Peter and Chris's heart to, uh, to have a place to put the the amount of cash that they were developing and creating from traffic and funnels. So it really started off as a personal portfolio for them. And the more we got into it, the more success we were having, decided, you know what, we we can help other people with this. And that's really back to Taylor and Chris's heart as well is to uh, show other people how to do what they've done and help them to build portfolios, real estate, passive income, so towards the end of the year, when we realized we were able to you know, do a pretty good job on identifying properties and creating passive wealth income opportunities for other people, I uh, had an attorney tell them, if you're doing it the hard way. And okay. so recommended that we create a separate company. So officially WealthCap Funds was created uh, right before Christmas, uh, okay. December, 19, uh, December of 19. So it wasn't until then that we split the two companies. So, that answer your question?
1: Well, I know how it works. I work here. I want to make sure that the audience knows, um, like, what each company does.
0: So, Wealthcap Funds now is the company, I feel like I need to explain it to you over and over. We've been through this. (laughs) But,
1: you're turning red again. I know. You make me laugh.
0: So, talk to my audience, my faithful friends. (laughs) kept Funds is the, what we call the front-end vehicle. It is the one that does all the acquisitions. It acquires all properties that are brought into our umbrella with cash. So it, it buys it with cash, and it rehabs it with cash. So that is the acquisitions vehicle. At the point in time when rehab is completed, then it comes over to the back-end, which you and I are really both working on that back-end side, You work with investors Mm -hmm. and I work with those that we're going to bring into our holdings Mm -hmm. portfolio. The wealth cap Holdings portfolio is the one that we've got to get pretty creative on the financing, which we're going to to talk about some of those. Uh, Working with different lenders, different terms, different rates. Uh, If anyone wants to scale and grow quicker, we're going to get into some of those things. But there's a real difference between the funds is all about acquisitions, which is also tied to, you know, some of the folks that are listening are... Involved with the funds itself, which mm-hmm. they've got money tied into it as a hedge to, you know, that would bring in some really good monthly income. Uh, but some of them are using that to help fund additional acquisitions. Sure. So funds cannot have any debt whatsoever. So only holdings can put a mortgage or a lien on a property.
1: Gotcha. Was so for the
0: for the masses? Was I that? think so. Okay.
1: Funds buys the house, rehabs it, and then it's going to, the title is going to convey either to an investor or to holdings. Yes. So um, what I'd like to, to talk about is how are we able to, you know, transfer the properties from one entity to the other with as few dollars out of pocket as possible. So basically we've got Houses where we've bought them in cash, we've rehabbed them, and we're kind of selling them to ourselves. Mm. But there's some equity built into those deals. So then when we finance them, we have less cash invested in the property than if, you know, we had paid cash or, pardon me, financed them
0: on the front end. On the front end. Yeah. 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 The real, the real trick on this thing, making it work is the, the acquisition side. You know, if you've ever talked to anybody in real estate that especially from an investment perspective, they talk about, you make your money on the front end, mm-hmm. which means you've got to buy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so we vet a tremendous amount of property. Uh, you know, before we had a team that was, I vetted a lot on my own and that was a nightmare at times, but uh, Like yesterday, I think our team made offers on 10 different properties Mm -hmm. and you, you multiply that out times days and weeks. It is a lot of work, but what we're doing is we're finding properties that from industry standards, it would be, be called undervalued so that we can then do value add improvements to the property. So, you know, if we can buy it well under market value, Mm -hmm. then we can rehab it. The ARV is the, after rehab value is significantly higher than the amount of money we actually have into the property. Gotcha. And then when we go to finance it, whether it's at 70, 75, 80%, whatever that might be, our net out of pocket is negligible. Mm -hmm. It, you know, there, there've been some really good buys where we, we got an incredible deal on the property uh, where it was located. We've maybe had good schools, good work environment, and when it was all said and done, the banks actually paid us to keep the property. Wow. So those are great scenarios, but they don't always happen. But if you think about a property that you, know, you might have $110,000 in it and it appraises for one hundred and forty at 80%, you're in for one twelve. so you're actually getting that property for two, two grand. Yeah. That's... If you can do that as, on a consistent basis, I think you'd be pretty happy.
1: I was having a conversation with um, an investor this morning about doing exactly that with some of the, the properties that we do have available for, for investors, talking about the advantages of buying cash versus financing on the front end. And that scenario is very similar to what you described. Um, you know, ARV of 105 price for a cash purchase is 90 So then you buy it for ninety, and then when you're when you do a refinance and pull, probably you know seventy five percent, maybe eighty percent, back out of the value, then that individual only has nine thousand invested in the house versus eighteen twenty if they had financed it on the front end, Um, and I think that concept is like, it's a little bizarre to some people, but once they start to see it work you know, then it really makes sense. And that's essentially what we do yeah. with what we're holding. It's exactly what we do. It's exactly what we do and how we're able to get so many with as few dollars invested, like out of pocket possible. Yeah. Um, well,
0: and how many of your investors, though, They it really clicks when they get their first check. Yeah. That kind of turns the corner. It's like, oh, this this is pretty slick.
1: Yeah. And a couple of them who've, you know, made a few cash purchases. Now they're asking me, um, instead of, you know, what is the cash price? They're asking, what's my cash on cash once I refi in, you know, however long, if I, if I do a refi at 75% LTV, then what is my return? Cause they get that they're going to have a lot less invested in the house that way. Yeah. Um, but it takes a total, it takes a total shift of thinking, because you're not really looking at how much am I how much am I paying for the house, it's looking at what do I actually have tied up in this asset once it's leveraged down the road. Yeah, you know, which is not much.
0: No, and if you look at just the numbers, even the numbers you just gave, if they've got nine thousand that they've tied up into it versus eighteen thousand, what is the difference in cash on cash return?
1: Two houses, <laughs> you know, yeah, and a huge. It's huge. Yeah. It went from being, I don't know, I think like 15% cash on cash to 30, doing it that way. And then you have the capital to do it again.
0: Yeah. Well, another advantage too is working working with us, you, you specifically as, as the investors, is we've we've been able to vet a lot of lenders. And, yes. And we've gone through, we feel like we've gone through just about as many lender conversations as sometimes our acquisitions team make offers because mm-hmm. there's a lot of, lot of lenders out there, brokers, bankers. Uh, they all have their different guidelines or different rules. Some go by what's called LTC, which is loan to cost. Right. Others go by LTV loan to value. Obviously we want to work with those that really focus on the loan to value, mm-hmm. you know, so paying cash for some of these properties is what gives you leverage or gives you the control, you know? So for those people that, that want to be in control of the process, that's where the cash buy really comes in handy. Uh, they can move quicker. Mm-hmm. They, they have more control. They have more leverage. And then when they go to refinance that thing, the, the bank isn't going to ask about rehab or renovations because they're probably thinking about loan to cost, which gives you a, a lower variable. They're just going to, what's the property worth? Yeah. And so financing based upon LTV after a cash purchase gives you a little more leverage, a lot more control.
1: Why don't you tell us what are, with the lending partners, um, that you work with on the holding side. And we do share a lot. You know, gotta give me a fist bump there.
0: You, still, um, you don't share well.
1: I don't share well? What is this? It's <laughs> throwing me under the bus, like, live on the interwebs. Um, <laughs> so when you're looking. You turn red so easy. You do it to me. So when, <laughs> when you are wow. looking for, yeah, congratulations. When you are looking for a new. <laughs> a new lending partner, what are, um, like, what are the, the top things that you're looking for in the lender or the programs that they offer? Um, like what are the most important criteria? You
0: know, th- there's been a major, um, transformation just from this time last year, we are doing things that I would that I actually argued with Taylor about what could be done. And anyone that knows Taylor, it's probably not wise to say, you know, argue with Taylor, right? I mean, as, as his dad, he wasn't fun to argue with as a toddler. (laughs) Probably get, get an email or Slack message on that one later. (laughs) But uh, we're doing things that I didn't think were possible a year ago, as far as financing properties, uh, getting some of the terms. And what is amazing is there's, you're not tied into any one lender. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't like the terms that you're getting, unless you are under a crunch and you got to close quickly, there are a lot of options out there. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think one of the things that I've really learned over the last year is, I don't like the scenario I'm getting, I'm not married to it. Mm -hmm. You know, Jim Rohn, you say you're not a tree, you can move, you can get away. Uh, So the things that we're looking for ideally is, you know, a a LTV lender, someone who really talks about loan to value instead of loan to cost. Uh, Ideally, we're looking for someone that can give 30 year amortization terms. Yeah. Because if you look at cash on cash returns, that is based upon your, in, your rental income minus all those expenses. Right. And if you have a 30 year am, amortization instead of a 20
1: huge difference, it is a
0: massively huge difference. Yes. And so, you know, we're working with them, some of those folks is, is a really big deal. Uh, but some of your people that are wanting to grow exponentially, you know, there's, you know, we I don't know if you want to get into portfolio loans, we can do that later. Yeah. yeah. You we'll know, talk about that now. Yeah. Or do you have other questions?
1: Well, I want to I draw as much information out of you as possible about all the different financing options that we have really learned about, especially in the last few months as our growth has skyrocketed. Okay, so,
0: Let's, uh, okay. Some, of, some of the lenders that we're really zeroing in on now has a lot more flexibility are the countrywide lenders. Uh, the bread and butter for what the holdings company has been doing for the last six months, though, is me getting a referral to a little local bank, which are wonderful. They they move quicker. They have less guidelines. They're not tied into the Freddie and Fannie and all those different rules, so they've been wonderful to work with. But also, there are their are local lenders, which means they cap out pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And when you know they'll say, "Well, we'll lend up to three or four, maybe five properties," at the rate we're going, I'm done. In a week, and that month, I'm done. I'm now looking for more. So it's been a little taxing on that. But again, you you, you give and take when you work with some of these local lenders. Uh, they are also the ones that usually give you an eighty uh, percent. One was wanting our business so much, they were giving us eighty-five. We had one bank wow. that we didn't get a good appraisal, and we were, we walked away from it. I don't know if you remember that story. It was we didn't get a good appraisal, so it messed up our numbers, and they were like, "Well, we'll give you a ninety percent LTV." But wow. it didn't meet our standards. Yeah. So, uh, we, you know, we walked away, which was hindsight, a great relationship builder with that bank because they realized that we we're sticking to our guns. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to lenders, realize that there, there are options. And uh, the better relationship you have with those folks, the more leeway you can get.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but I would definitely be looking for 30-year terms, 70, 75, 80 percent, some through there is, is that amount. Um, thing I'm liking about the countrywide lenders is they can lend anywhere. Right. They're not limited to just one area or St. Joseph or wherever. Right. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have somebody there. They do have a little more requirements. You know, they're uh, sometimes their terms aren't quite as good. A uh, case in point one that really excited on the one that we're starting to build a relationship with that is going to, going to open up way doors, you know, about this one, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, The rates are a little bit higher. Gotcha. But we've got tremendous flexibility and they're giving 30-year terms. And so when you look at that, on a portfolio loan, their rate, which their their interest rates close to seven, it beats an interest rate that I have at four and a quarter. They'd only give me twenty-year terms. Gotcha. So because
1: you've got a 30 year the,
0: the 30 year. Yeah. And then, you know, so that then can all be rolled into a portfolio loan. So we're,
1: Eli wants to know about portfolio loans.
0: So. I see. Didn't I see his name yesterday? Didn't I sign off? Probably. On one?
1: He's all over our stuff. Yeah. He closed on something yeah, yesterday. I thought
0: I saw his name. Congrats, Eli. <laughs> the portfolio loans are really, well, here let me back up. What, we, what got me started on that is when we were going through the, the beginning phases of COVID, mm-hmm. March, and April, A lot of the lenders I was working with panicked and -hmm. they were, they were tightening up. Right. Some of them just completely shut down. Yeah. So I was fortunate that we had enough relationships that we were able to, to maneuver and, and we didn't, we didn't miss a beat, but it was eye opening that at any point in time, one particular bank, if that's what we're tied into, they can shut us down, which now one of Taylor's favorite phrases is optionality, right? Yeah. We have created tremendous options because of what we learned going through March, April, May. Uh, one thing that didn't seem to shut down during March, April, May were portfolio loans. So all a portfolio loan is, is when we bundle a group of properties together and we put them on one loan. So instead of me going to Miss Bank and you underwrite one property, a single family residence, that's one property, you're taking the risk on one thing and mm-hmm. you're giving me a rate on that. But some of these bigger uh, Conglomerates, the financial institutions, they'll say, We we're not gonna do the single family residences right now, but if you bring us a minimum of seven properties with a million dollar total market value, we'll underwrite the group. Gotcha. So that was one of those things that got me thinking is there's a lot more strength in number. So if I have a pool of properties, which we do, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: especially in, in, in August, you know, we're ramping up our numbers, so we're gonna have a lot of closings in August. Yeah. If I can buy those with cash, once I get tenants in place, and there is a, a phrase that everyone probably needs to go look up, DSCR, debt service coverage ratio, mm-hmm. when you have a debt service coverage ratio of 1.25 or better, there's tons of financial institutions that will loan you money on that bundle of properties. hmm Because you've got paying tenants, it's almost like when I was sharing this with Taylor, he's like it's almost like having a multifamily concept, but they're not piled on top of one another. Right. Right. So now we've got ten properties worth 1.5 million Mm -hmm. and we're gonna love tie that all up into one loan and we're getting 30-year terms instead of 20. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of advantages to looking at portfolio loans, but it does take a group of properties.
1: And for individual investors, um the portfolio loan, where that like, comes into play is, uh, I'm, I'm telling a lot of guys, if you are able to get a Fannie Freddie loan, even though it is kind of a pain in the rear to go through the whole process, you're going to get really good terms that way.
0: Good rates and good terms,
1: yeah. But you'll get maxed out at 10. After 10, you can't get any more Fannie Freddie properties. Uh, so once you hit that limit, then you package those mm-hmm. into a portfolio loan you open yourself back up and take another year or two or however fast you're moving to build up another 10 and then you can package those in a portfolio loan. Yep. Um, and the debt service coverage ratio, that is something that everybody should look, look up and the easiest way I think to explain it is if your expenses are $100 a month for easy numbers, then your rent would need to be 125 Yes. That's the, the simple math there to yep. figure that out.
0: And you can go to Google, look up Google. the formula. I mean, there's so many different ways. The, the thing about your Fannie Freddie, you, you do get better terms. Mm-hmm. You, you get better rates. Mm-hmm. You usually get 30-year, mm-hmm. maybe a lower down payment. I mean, there's a lot of advantages to that. I think one of the risks, though, is if someone is wanting to solely buy in their LLC, right? that's going to limit that. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of banks, even though you're allowed 10, most banks have a cap of four. Right. So you may get your four, even though you're allotted 10, but now you're going to have to change it to, to another, a different lender. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there are definitely pros and cons to it. I'd say more pros, especially from a cash flow perspective. But yeah. if you're wanting to buy a, in your LLC,
1: mm-hmm. um, not take dings to your personal DTI. Yeah. You know, not take, um, and depending on, you know, the lender, they all have. So share with us what um, some of these portfolio loan lenders that you have been starting to work with, what do they want from you?
0: My first child, a pile <laughs> of blood. Now, <laughs> it, uh, it's been a lot. And, you know, it's just like any other mortgage. It's like you, I think three days in a row on our daily reports, I think I've sent them everything they need. Right. Next day they needed, so I got more signatures, end of day report. Everything they need. So there's a lot that they need, but it's, you know, tax records, uh, FICO scores, proof of income. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just your typical things that you're going to need.
1: Anything like, uh, well, they also wanted, didn't they want like um, a rent roll or some verification of our, uh, like our history? showing what we've bought and sold and they
0: did. And it was funny because the one that we're working with now, they wanted our three year history, you know? So when I said we don't have one, but yet we've, we're setting on, we've acquired almost 30 properties that we've held on to. And we flipped 20. Really. Most of that has all been done in the last six months. Mm-hmm. They were a little surprised, which was, was a nice thing, but that means we didn't have to provide three years worth of records because we don't have them. Right. right. But not, not only what they want the rent roll, they want what's called the debt schedule the debt schedule tells you uh, the name of the lender when it was taken out the size of the loan and the amount of rent coming in and how long the lease is for gotcha so there's that part of it Uh, they also look at the DSCR the debt service ratio so that they know uh, are are these viable what's what's interesting is too when you buy well the way we are and this is going to benefit all of our investors I don't think we have any with the dscr am i saying it, Say it so many times that service, service coverage, coverage ratio, ratio. Yep. yes under 1.4 so okay when we start looking at a 1.4 we've got a couple that we a duplex one of our duplexes up there was doing fantastic it was 1.98 almost 2.0 so when we start bundling things like that and we go to a portfolio lender And they're concerned about a one, two, five. And we show them that our, this is, you know, the whole group is 1.4 or it's 1.6. That's very attractive. We're back in the driver's seat. Yeah.
1: Right on. Um, What are some of the other, um, what are some of the other like creative financing options that you've looked at from the perspective of like being able to move, do more faster because I know that's what a lot of our investors that are probably watching and asking me um, like they bought one or two houses and they want they want to buy ten they want to move faster. Okay. What kind of advice would you would you give to them based on everything that you've learned
0: and and I'm still learning first of all right? we all are and yeah. but one of the things I think that of it's no secret. I'm sure that people have already figured this out, but uh, getting a line of credit as large as you can get gives you then the ability to buy in cash without using your own money. Mm-hmm. But now you've bought those in cash. Uh, there's a lot of them. One we have right now, it's, it's a multi-million front end line of credit and it's interest only for up to 12 months. So think about your payment on an interest only note versus an advertised note, even it's if it's a lot 30. lot
1: smaller. I know.
0: Significant. But now I can buy as many properties really as, as I want in a 60-day period. Mm-hmm. And once we get tenants in place on those, that same company is going to allow us to roll those out of the line of credit into their portfolio loan. And now my line of credit is opened back up. So if you can figure out how to get a million, two million, three, whatever your line of credit can, can be, mm-hmm. you know, you're now buying in cash, get tenants in place, which most of your folks already have in place. Yeah. Then when you get your limit or your, your, uh, your baseline of whatever that institution wants, they might say, some of them are saying five properties minimum and they'll do a portfolio loan. Others are saying 10, but you've bought it with all cash with that line of credit, mm-hmm. didn't touch your money. Mm-hmm and you roll it over to the portfolio loan, you open this thing back up. Mm-hmm. So now just in a portfolio loan, have really good terms typically. You get
1: 30-year and interest, what did you say? Like six to eight is what you're saying? Six you, to eight, six to what eight. We've seen. That's what we've
0: I mean, if they've got multi-year history with the banking institution and you know, a lot of the folks that we've been busy with, they've got a two-year great income history because they're relatively new to track and Funnels or new to real estate or whatever it would be.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You might see it under five. Gotcha. So, but what is, what's to me, the best thing about it is I've just now opened up my line of credit
1: and now you've got another, however many million dollars to go buy in cash. And then,
0: and whose money are you're using?
1: Somebody else's.
0: The best way to go, right? Yes. Now, you, you can keep your money where it is. I mean, that's good of your hedge because that is some of the banks are going to want um, uh, a, a bank of reserves Gotcha. equal to six months or 12 months of mortgage principal and interest payments. But if you have a real good relationship with it, you can also work your way out of that. But even then, I would much rather my money be sitting over here, use this line of credit, buy four, five, eight, ten, whatever they can buy. Mm -hmm. And then 60 days, roll it over, Mm -hmm. open this up and do it again. So if you've got folks that do want to grow relatively quickly, being able to buy with cash is the smoothest way.
1: Gotcha. Line of credit, buy with cash, portfolio loan. Yes. That gives... Gets the Lance seal of approval. Absolutely.
0: Then a year in, two years in, whatever it is, then we would begin to start talking about how do we move that to HELOC funding. Gotcha. So I know Taylor's talked a lot about the HELOCs, but at that point, that HELOC is basically a line of credit tied to the property. Mm-hmm. And now what kind of control are you in? Uh, with what took place in 2008, nine, and 10. Uh, people that had really good equity in their houses Uh and then got into a financial situation, they were the ones at greatest risk. The ones that had 40% equity in their property. Usually it makes you feel pretty safe saying I've got 40% equity, but if something happens to you and you lose a job or you get Mm -hmm. downsized or whatever, and you can't make your note, the bank is going to come after a person with 40% equity way before they're going to come to somebody that only has 10%. Right. Right. But if you have the HELOC tied to it, that's basically securing that house with their money and they're not going to come get that. Yeah. So not that I would hope, I hope that never happens, but it's just a smarter way to use money.
1: Gotcha. I have a couple messages from folks saying, where can I get a line of credit? (laughs) Uh,
0: Just make your uh, initial check payable to Devin.
1: Yeah. Right. Nice plug. Nice plug. Um, but we do have some people that we can refer. So if you guys want to, you know, if you want to talk a little bit more about the strategy, just ping me after this. Um, and we can make some connections for you with some of the lenders that we've been working with. Like that's one of the things that you and I are constantly going back and forth about is like, do you have a lender? Do you have a lender? Do you have a lender for this or that? Um, because we're just always looking for new partners and finding out, you know, who offers what, and, uh, we can share that Information with you guys.
0: the Best thing on of credits is is longevity with the financial financial institution. You can, if you have a relationship, you've got a, a solid business strategy, you've got business performance. There's no reason why they wouldn't. Now they may not give you the multi million, but it depends on where you are personally. Yeah. You know.
1: So start with your banking institution that you have a relationship with is what you think. I would. And ask for, just ask, see what you can get. Maybe it's. 500K, maybe it's more, start there yeah. where you have a relationship.
0: Yep. I okay. Would. And if, there, if it's a financial institution that's not investor friendly, what do you think I'm going to recommend? Go elsewhere. Go elsewhere. You're not tied to them.
1: Yeah, you're not married to them. Not married to them. Cool. Um,
0: I know she keep bringing that up. Yes, you are single. Is that why you keep bringing that up?
1: <laughs> no. Wow. Now I'm really going to turn red. <laughs> Anywho, back to the... Oh,
0: back to this. Got it.
1: ...podcast. Um, what else would you like to share? What are Okay, so here's a question. What's the most fun part of your role at Wealthcap? Wow. Besides coordinating outfits with me
0: today? Yeah, I did this as a favor to my, my little girl here. So, the funnest part, oh man, honestly, and this is going to sound cheesy, but just the personal growth that, that I have watched me experience in the last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, coming out of corporate, you get really stagnant and get used to operating in a certain way, and you get into an environment that forces you to grow. It's really, really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But then once the healthier you get, you begin to recognize this is a great place to be. So it's uh, hard work. Yeah. It's it's um, there are plenty of times when I'll wake up at two a.m. with a new idea.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: it's like messes up your sleep but then you better write it down yeah and you know see where that goes because you know some of these ideas that that we're now running with were you know they came out of just some dedicated thinking time and a constraints question which I don't, I'm sure you can talk about constraints questions but you ask some of these questions you, you're going to get some answers so you make sure you're writing, asking good questions
1: cool Anything else that you'd really like to share?
0: You want me to finish the note you wrote for me?
1: I did not write that note.
0: <laughs> I think you kind of did. No. Uh, the, the strategy that's here is, is really, really good. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that anyone out here, they could probably do this on their own if they had the time, money, and resources to do it. If you look at what Taylor and Chris has had invested in, they've invested a lot of money
1: mm-hmm. and a lot
0: of time to develop a team
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: and really two new companies, WealthCap Funds, WealthCap Holdings. You know, so you know, from a logistics perspective, I, I would I would say they if they're wanting to invest, they need to keep partnering with you. Yeah, Uh, respond quicker to the uh, the reveals so they don't lose properties when they become. I've already got
1: so many people mad at me from yesterday that missed out on houses. Sorry, we just need to get more houses. We just need more houses. Yeah, Yeah. and we're working on that. Our our production is really increasing. It is. I totally agree with you. Like for somebody out there, an individual to do what we do is really impossible. Like without because you have to have you have to have teams. And sure you could buy a house and rehab it and maybe have some equity in the deal, but there's also so many variables that could go way wrong. You know, one thing goes wrong in the rehab, you shoot your budget and then you're screwed, you know, and you've got no equity in the deal and you waste months and, and dollars and sweat to break even. I have done that personally. Uh, (laughs) And it's not fun. Um, But as far as being able to take advantage of, you know, some of the things that we've learned, some of these financing strategies that we've, we've had to learn yeah. COVID in a, in a lot of ways, I think was like, that was an awesome thing to happen to us because suddenly we had to figure out like other ways to do what we do. Yeah, Cause any of y'all that know Taylor know that there's no worldwide pandemic. That is an excuse to not hit your targets. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, so it was, it was really cool, I think for us. And we, you know, we learned about all these different strategies and now you guys can, can get the benefit of what we've learned.
0: Yeah. Well, two, two things that always I can have on board, everything's solvable. Nothing's impossible. Yeah. You know, Taylor used to joke even, you know, last year he was like, well, what if we have a Russian invasion and it shuts everything down? Well, that didn't happen, but COVID did. And, you know, we had some markets that really did shut down and we had to, had to get creative, had to think differently. Yeah. Uh, and even in the midst of all that, there were still people doing business. Totally. Or you could have laid down and made an excuse, but no, we weren't, that's not any of us. Right. So there's always, always opportunity.
1: Right on. Um, okay. So a couple questions that I see popped up here. Um, minimum properties for a portfolio loan is around 10, not necessarily some of them will do five. Yeah, uh, Fives is
0: the one that I've seen. Well, you know what, though? We have a bank in um, a relatively small bank in St. Joe. Uh huh. And we had two properties coming due pretty close to the same time. Yeah. And they lumped those two together. Yeah. Which was nice because it lowered, I mean, all of our acquisition, uh, closing costs were cut in half. Yeah. We just did it once. So that was something that just was a, probably a one off. Yeah. But you could work with the bank if you have multiple opportunities.
1: I've seen, there's a couple um, of the large private equity firms, private lenders that do uh, portfolio loans with as as few as two, they don't have as favorable terms as some of the, you know, just like you were saying, when you've got five or 10 in that portfolio, it's a a balance of risk for the lender as well. So I think you get, probably get more favorable terms Mm -hmm. when you've got a larger package or a better DSCR. Yep. Yep. I agree. Cool. I don't see any other questions that we, uh, that we didn't answer. So if you have any final words.
0: Everything's solvable. Nothing's impossible.
1: Right on. I like it. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Um, hit me up later if you have any questions. And if you're listening to this um, on, the, on the podcast and not watching live, if you want to chat about anything that you heard about today, you can book a call um, www.wealthcapholdings.com backslash waitlist will take you to my calendar and I'm happy to jump on a call and talk shop with you, whatever it is that you want to know about uh, real estate, real estate investing, wealth cap. All righty. So thanks y'all. Dating. Dating. No, no, <laughs> please no dates on my work calendar. Yeah. That's um, not,
0: that's not cool. That's not professional. That's not we professional. Shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing that. Wow.
1: All right. Y'all have a great rest of your day.
0: <laughs> thanks for listening. Discover how you can start building wealth with real estate even without experience in our free book, Why Real Estate and How to Get Started by visiting wealthcapholdings.com slash book. That's wealthcapholdings.com slash book.